This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately pompey. New beginnings, look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pompey. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see a full house and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is a huge football club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out, that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. With no men's game to look forward to this week, we've got time to branch out and venture into new horizons. Tonight's show is all about equality and community. Between now and seven, we'll hear from the likes of Peaches Davies, a young aspiring footballer hoping to make it big. I've always said, like, it's my dream to play for England and now it's actually come true. It's like, I'm going to work, like, really hard because I can actually get there. We'll also speak to one of the co-founders of Her Game 2 to find out a little bit more about the campaign. What we're doing is we're partnering with clubs and what that really entails is an understanding between the clubs and us that we are there to support female football fans and no matter their experience. So what we're trying to do is embrace with the clubs what they can do to make the female experience better. Pompey and the community CEO Claire Martin will also be talking to us tonight about the incredible efforts of her team throughout the pandemic. To have a team that just went, yeah, all right, then let's do it, when they could have just been at home sunbathing in the garden like so many people was quite phenomenal. And later, we'll have Pompey women's head coach Jay Sadler on to preview two big games coming up, as well as his new full-time role at the club. I love football, I have a passion for football, and since my seven years down on the South Coast, I've now got a passion for Portsmouth. And representing this football club, whether it was voluntary or, or now full-time, I'm proud to do that. And I think our players are slowly realising with the growth of the women's game that they are role models and they're inspiring the next generation, whether it be boys or girls. That's all to come here on Express FM on a very special edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour 93.7. Express FM. A very good evening to you and welcome to a very special edition of the Footblower here on Express FM, which is as ever being driven to you by Stagecoach across the South. With Pompey out of action until the 5th of April, we've got a few episodes to play around with and have a little bit of fun, step outside of the comfort zone a little bit. So I've decided to source some interviews with various different people to gather some stories and learn a thing or two along the way as well. This episode is all about equality and community, with the women's game heavily in focus, as well as what's going on in our community, as well as with PITC. We'll be hearing from Emily Drakeley from Her Game 2, Claire Martin, CEO of Pompey in the community, and Portsmouth women's head coach Jay Sadler between now and 7 o'clock. But first, you may remember young Peaches, who was surprised by our very own Robbie James when he presented Drive Time here on Express. Well, Peaches is 12 years old now and she has been very, very busy and has taken a big step toward her future since we last heard from her. If you've forgotten what happened between Robbie and Peaches during lockdown, or if you just haven't heard it, here's a reminder. Peaches, hi to you. Hi. How are you? Really good, thanks. Good. What have you been up to, Peaches? I need you to tell us all about your lockdown story. You've been quite busy, I hear. So I've been making videos online, so I started scrolling through Twitter and I was seeing loads of people being um, saying they were really bored. So 
obviously because I train every day, I thought it would be a really good idea to give people some inspiration with some training videos. Hi everyone, welcome to day four of five day tricks of peaches. Yesterday we worked on trick turns and today we're going to be focused on freestyle tricks. Listen, Peaches, we, we've loved seeing your uh, seeing your story and uh, we thought that we should share it with some people as well. So um, I, what, what football team do you support, Peaches? Um, well, I support both of the Pompey teams, both England sides and um, Barcelona. OK, OK, quite a range. Well, um, are you aware of the, uh, the, the Pompey manager, Jay Sadler? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, he's aware of you as well. Have a little listen to this. He's been watching your videos. Hi, Peaches. I hope you're keeping well and staying safe. I've seen some of your videos circulating on social media. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Not only is it for your own benefit, but also the way you've interacted with others. I just want to say keep it up, stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you down at a Pompey women's game when we're back in action. Oh, my God. Jay Sadler's a big fan of yours. The, the Pompey manager, Peaches. Uh, he's not the only person that's uh, that's seen them. So you say that you support England. Uh, are you aware of the England captain then, Steph Horton? Yeah. Okay, we'll have a little listen to this. Hi, it's Steph Horton. Just a little message for Peaches, just to say that I've seen some of the stuff that you've been doing tw on Twitter and online. Uh, it's really, really inspiring. And just to say, keep going and keep up the hard work. The actual England football captain, Peaches. <laughs> And <laughs> I have no doubt that you will one day be in uh, be in Steph Horton's position, and you'll be captaining England. So keep it up, and uh, and, and good luck to you. Thank you so much. And we've got Peaches back with us here now. Peaches, do you remember that phone call with Robbie where he surprised you with messages from Jane Steph? Oh, that was amazing. Honestly, it was like the best day ever. It was just so like unexpected. It just came. I was like, whoa. And then I was like, cry my eyes out for hours <laughs> all day. How were you feeling when you heard their voices? You told Robbie that it was actually the best day of your life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've had a lot, but that is one of the best ever. So good. And what made you want to make these videos of your skills and techniques during lockdown? Um, just during lockdown, I was just seeing loads of people looking like really bored and they were running out of ideas. And I was thinking, like, I'll just train every day and just keep working hard. And because people were running out of ideas, I just thought it'd be a good idea for me to train and help others as well, so it can help both. Well, you certainly captured the attention of not just Pompey fans on social media, but really the wider football community too. And you've been very busy since then, continuing your videos. You've been to plenty of matches involving the Pompey men, the women, and even the Lionesses as well. Why is football so important to you? I just think it's just it's the best sport. And it's just really, everyone really supports each other, like even from Twitter. And everyone's just re really supportive and just helps each other. How long have you been playing football for? Who actually inspired you the most to make you decide that football was the thing for you? So I've like normally grown up around football. So my nan works at Fratton Park and all my cousins play football. So I was just kind of like grown up into it. So obviously I came into football and I love it. Yeah. Recently, you've actually been even busier. Earlier this month, you had your trials with the England Talent Pathway. And just a few days ago, you received some great news. You've been accepted. First of all, congratulations. Thanks. I bet you're over the moon. How did you get the news and, and how excited were you when you found out? So we got an email um, saying that I've been invited and 
Oh, it was crazy. I was going crazy and it was just the best. And they said, like, it's in three weeks. And I was like, three weeks? But it was really good because I didn't have too much time to think about it. And when I was there, everyone was just so nice. It was just amazing. Like, all the coaches, it was great. We were all just chatting with each other and playing matches. It was really relaxed. It's really nice. And what did you do to celebrate the big news? Well, we didn't really do much, to be fair. I put out a tweet and that was, like, amazing. Everyone was really, really supportive of that. But we just kind of just carried on. <laughs> so what does this mean for you now, Peaches? What kind of things do you have to do now that you're on the England talent pathway? I think just keep working even harder because I've always said, like, it's my dream to play for England. And now it's actually come true. It's like, I'm going to work like really hard because I can actually get there. And I bet you've got some big ambitions for the future now. Is the aim to one day play for Pompey, perhaps even for England too? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And just finally, we've got Pompey women's boss Jay Sadler on the show later this evening to speak to us about their upcoming games. Firstly, what do you think the score is going to be in Sunday's league match against Keenesham Town? I reckon, hmm, 3-1 Pompey. Lovely. Uh, And do you think Pompey can beat Bournemouth to win yet another Hampshire Cup on Wednesday night? Oh, that's hard to be fair. I reckon Pompey, but I love both teams to be fair. Pompey is amazing, but I do like a few from Bournemouth, but Pompey will win. And just finally, what would you say to any younger girls coming up who want to play football, but perhaps aren't quite decided at the moment? What would you say to help inspire them? I'd just say just keep working hard and get get in a team and just start playing and just really enjoy it and then see how far you go. Peaches, thank you very much for talking to us today. You've been an absolute star. (laughs) Thanks. Well, how great was that? Wishing Peaches all the very best for what promises to be a very bright future. Moving on now to hear more about a campaign that started up last May to offer support to women experiencing sexism at football matches, as well as to assist football clubs to put measures in place to ensure we begin to see a decline of sexist abuse in our stadiums. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Emily Drakeley, co-founder of Her Game 2, to find out even more about what they do. So Her Game 2 really is a campaign to bring women together. Uh, I think it really started when all of us girls, it started with 12 um, co-founding members, and all of us girls have experienced some form of sexual um, abuse at the football uh, verbally um, during our time as fans. I think we were all just really sick of it. it you know, it's a game and a sport where everyone should really feel involved and um, be a part of one big family, really. Um, and I think we just wanted to make a stand because we love the game so much and we just don't want other people to feel the way we have. So we set um, the video up. Uh, the video, if you have seen it, it's uh, on our Twitter page. Basically, we all held up um, signs of things we've all been told um, at a fixture. Um, and then it goes on for a couple of minutes, basically showing what, what we've what we've um, been said. And uh, we've released that on FA Cup final day uh, in May last year. And it went um, national, really. Um, and the most amazing thing was the amount of people that contacted us to say that they felt the same. And that it's great that a campaign has finally come about um, that represents them. Um, so we've basically continued on with that, really, trying to make the message that her game two really is about making the game inclusive and safe for women and that's that's what it's all about 
You've reached out to a lot of people on social media, over 22,000 followers on Twitter now as of today, and many football clubs have joined to form an association too. Could you tell us a bit more about how many clubs have linked up and what these clubs are actually doing with this partnership? Yes, yeah, so we've got well over 100 clubs now. Um, I can't give you an exact number because yeah, every day we're adding more and more on, so it's amazing really you see our, our twitter page or our social media we're always announcing new clubs but basically um what we're doing is we're partnering with clubs and what that really entails is an understanding between the clubs and us that we are there to support female football fans and um, no matter their experience so what we're trying to do is uh, embrace with the clubs what they can do to make the female experience better as well as making the environment more safer and inclusive really and it really is those basic things that should already be in place um, and without thinking you probably think they are but actually if you go to a game and and are a woman it's a woman you go week in week out um, actually they're not there uh, so the campaign really is about putting that in place and we're so pleased that the amount of clubs have got on board really and backed us um, and it's growing day by day and I for one am so in awe still of how many clubs have partnered up but it really does show that things are moving in the right direction and that people are willing to make the change and make everything more inclusive. Racism, homophobia and general abuse from the stands unfortunately are all still way too frequent in our football grounds. It's sexism that Her Game 2 aims to tackle. Have you seen an improvement on the mentality around football since the formation of this campaign? I think so. I think speaking to the more generalised football fan, um, they really understand the campaign. And I've had a lot of people, actually, I was speaking to some fans the other day of an opposition team, and um, they were really trying to to change the way they were speaking about girls in football. So not because you get the stereotypical of, oh, you know a lot about football for a girl. And they don't mean it like that, but it does come across sometimes in a bit of a negative way. So I think people, they're really trying to learn to say, you know a lot about football rather than you know a lot about football for a girl. And I think the apologeticness of some people that you think wouldn't be willing to change, and actually they are trying to change, that's a big step within itself, really. Um, So I think it's going to take a long time, but I really, I actually have noticed a lot of change and a lot of people are more open to talking about it. I think I've had lots of messages from you know, friends, as well as the wider Twitter field that have messaged me saying that their, their daughters love football and they want to get more involved in football and that they're so proud that there's something that they can be involved with. And I think that's that's the main thing for me is that I didn't get the experience that I wanted. So now hopefully we can make it more accessible for the younger generations and even the older generations. And what sort of involvement has the FA had in supporting the cause? I don't think there's been much, if anything. Um, I'm really just, I just focus on Birmingham City, if I'm honest, and I do obviously speak to the girls all the time. Um, but our lead team um, haven't heard anything about the FA, but I think it would be absolutely massive. I know that EFL did a campaign similar to ours around the time of International Women's Week, um, but it wasn't the same. Um, but obviously, it was a good cause, but it would be great for the FA to get involved because really, it, it's, it would be so good to have the FA back our campaign because look at how progressive our England team are, how well they do. Um, 
I, I mean, I remember watching them when I was really young and and not thinking and thinking, why didn't they get the same coverage that the men got? And that was me as a young child. Um, and I think the FA, it would show equality. And I think that's what they're striving to do. Um, so I think if, you know, if the FA did get involved, it'd be massive because also that filters down into grassroots levels as well. And that's exactly also where we want to target because if you go and play football of a weekend and you've got her game too, as part of your club, mm. you'll feel more involved and feel more at home and feel safe to be part of that. Once hopefully all clubs have signed up to her game too, what is the aim for the future? Rest assured the campaign will just continue and continue to grow. Is it simply a case of just keep going until we perhaps hopefully one day get a truly inclusive game for everyone? I think so, yeah. I think we just want to keep going until this is almost eradicated. But then also there's so much work to be done I think we've come a long way in the last 10 years but even going forward there's so much more to be done and I think just allowing the game to be more accessible to women in general um, of all ages really and it's not something that's been available but then also we have gone global so we have got her game to USA Um, so really the world is our oyster um, and our aim really would be for all girls that want to be part of football to feel safe and to feel that they can be. And that's the main aim. And once we've done that, I think we've done a good job. Yeah, and you mentioned the younger girls there. What kind of advice would you give to any any age of girls or women wanting to get into the game, whether it's actually playing or just going to support a team? What sort of advice would you give to them if they're feeling maybe a little bit hesitant about doing so? What I'd say is, is, is never give up and let fear stop you doing what you love. I did that for a long time. I was scared to go. Um, I finally got to go with my partner um, and I'm a season ticket holder now. But for me, if if you're worried, go with someone that you feel comfortable with going. But as a woman, you shouldn't feel like you can't do anything. So if you want to go, go. Contact your club. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to support you. Um, And I'm always here for advice anyway. Um, But don't let anyone stop you because I let people stop me for too long and you shouldn't have that. Life is too short. Do what you love and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Women's football has undoubtedly grown a lot in the last five or ten years, particularly with the Super League here in England and the World Cup too. But what more could be done, in your opinion, to ensure that the attendances continue to grow, particularly in our domestic games? I think it's really important that um, football clubs see both the men's and women's team as almost one team. So they almost help each other out almost financially. So obviously I support Birmingham City. And from this season, we started playing our women's games at St Andrews before we were playing at Solihull Moors' ground. And I think that's a massive step in saying we are one club. And that also allows easier attendances because the people that go to the men's game know exactly where it is. It's easy, they know the process and they're more likely to go there because it's a familiar atmosphere. And also, I think a massive thing is um, almost discounting tickets for season ticket holders for the men's game. Uh, I think that would be really good to encourage people, even if they just go once, to, to experience it. Um, because I went and, you know, I got hooked on football, so it could happen. Um, and I think it's just really important that you, the clubs are seen as one rather than two different entities and giving the same opportunities to both so for example if there's a social media campaign 
for like uh, the shirt for example that the women and the men there should be like an equal number and it should be pushed on both channels and there should be opportunities for each gender to be represented so I think that's really important is to be able to grow the women's teams and the predominance of them you need to almost make them as equal to the men. Emily Drakely there, Birmingham City ambassador and co-founder of Her Game 2, which you can find even more about on Twitter by searching for at Her Game 2. After the break, we'll be reaching out to Pompey in the community CEO, Claire Martin, to speak about the incredible work they've been doing throughout the pandemic, as well as the deserved award they've recently been presented by the Lord Mayor of Portsmouth for their incredible efforts. It's an interview you'll want to stick around for. That's coming up in just a few moments' time. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM. Earlier this week, it was announced that Pompey in the community had been awarded the Freedom of the City of Portsmouth. A tweet from Pompey ITC on Twitter said, This is as a thank you to the amazing response we provided during the pandemic. Congratulations and thank you to everyone that was a part of this tremendous team effort. And of course, we here at Express FM would like to also congratulate Pompey in the community for their superb work, particularly over the past few COVID hit years. Earlier this week, I sat down with CEO Claire Martin at their base in Anson Road to talk about the award and the incredible work that is undertaken by PITC, not just through the pandemic, but prior to that as well. Claire, it's great to be able to talk to you today. First of all, a huge congratulations on picking up this prestigious award. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's fantastic for the charity to be recognised in this way. I think we're the first charity ever to be given the Freedom of the City of Portsmouth. Initially, we weren't quite sure what it meant, and I think it's very much a ceremonial award. I don't think we're likely to be uh, marching through the Guildhall Square with our sheep, but I think, you know, for the whole charity to be recognised in this way, uh, it's quite fantastic, and a lovely plaque on the front. What exactly does freedom of the city mean, and, and how much does this help Pompey in the community to continue being that support system in Portsmouth? I think it's just raising our profile and getting people to understand a little bit more about what we do and the breadth of what we do you know it isn't simply just football it's it's a whole load more than that and I think you know since the pandemic and our response to the pandemic and 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 things like this award people are understanding that yeah we're there like our name says Pompey in the community for the community really. You must feel some immense pride to oversee such a wonderful team and it's not the first award but Pompey in the community have picked up over the years is it? No, we've been quite lucky over the, oh, I think the last six or seven years. Um, We've won Community Club of the Year through the Football League twice, which, um, you know, working in our field is probably the most prestigious award that we can achieve. So um, the regional awards, we've picked up a fair few as well. But I think it's just those awards mean a lot because they are recognising projects and the whole team rather than individuals, which is always better. How important is it to have this team so actively involved within the community? I think for me, I just look back, well, this time, wasn't it, two years ago, um, everybody was sort of in meltdown. It was before furlough had been announced. And, and I honestly thought, potentially, that's the end of Pompey and the community because everything we did was being impacted like so many businesses. And then, you know, the, the call was put out for volunteers. We had our fleet of vans. Um, and actually at the award ceremony, people from the Hive were saying, oh my goodness, let's call Pompey in the community. And apparently they picked up the phone and we went, yeah, that's fine, we'll do it. And within a week, you know, we were delivering sort of four or 500 food parcels and, and were the first responders. And I think to have a team that just went, 
yeah, all right, then let's do it. When they could have just been at home sunbathing in the garden, like so many people, it was quite phenomenal. And since then, I think everybody bonded in a very different way. We mixed the staff up. We had three teams, obviously, because we didn't want cross-contamination and everybody going down. And we made a conscious effort to mix teams that wouldn't normally work together. So from a staffing point of view, it was great for the charity because, you know, people got to work with people. We've got about 50 staff. So, you know, there's often staff that you might not see if they're out in the community or they're out in schools or perhaps working in a slightly different region. So functionally, it was really helpful. I think as well with us, with the big build and the John Jenkins Stadium coming up, it's been really helpful because, you know, trying to do something of that sort of magnitude in the middle of a built-up area like Moneyfields is, having the community behind us has been, you know, so, so important. It's challenging because, you know, the housing around there, the streets around there, the lorry movements and everything, and being able to work with the community and have some understanding that actually it might be painful at the moment, but long-term, you know, it's going to be a great facility for everyone. That That's really helped. You've been there to help so many people over the years and provide some inspiring courses to those of all ages and abilities. If you could pick one example of either an event or a story where you just felt the most pride and reward during your time here, what would spring to mind first? Oh my goodness. There's just a few moments where you think, actually, yeah, we do make a difference. I think there was there was one very recently with a lad who, um, way back in 2005... I think it was 15 and we were doing the education resources for Global Challenge and Gypsy Moth when Gypsy Moth was going back around the world and this lad um, was selected to come with us so we flew to Tenerife three youngsters from St Luke's school none of whom had had any sailing experience and we set off across the Atlantic and it was a seriously challenging time there was a, a hurricane formed in the South Atlantic so we had no trade winds so it took 32 days instead of 17 we ran out of food we were on emergency rations we had to operate on the mate halfway across and we had this most incredible time and this lad was told you know on a two-hour timetable at school and was going through a really challenging time I was told you know basically illiterate you won't get much out of him and he just blossomed and found himself and was up the mast and, you know, kept every watch at four o'clock in the morning, was taking the winches apart with the skipper. And when he came back, he got um, a scholarship with UKSA and then joined the army. And I kind of lost touch with him at that point. But then recently, someone came up to me in the car park at Fratton Park and went, hi, Claire, how are you? I'm like, do I know you? And he went, oh, hi, and introduced himself. And I, I mean, I was beyond words, you know, he's there, grown up, amazing job doing phenomenally well and I think you know there are little things that have happened through the time that you think you know actually somewhere along the lines we've really impacted on lives properly and another one I know you only asked for one but there you go (laughs) we ran a a dads and lads learning course here years and years ago it was when we were still in the Premier League so goodness knows I'm not even sure when it was but it was probably about 2007 I think and it was basically so dads could come along with their children we did some academic stadium tours they made their own match day programs on the computers played a bit of football um and it was 10 weeks and out of that course we have max who came when he was seven he's done some work experience with us helped with scots he's now working full-time in the football club in social media and then recently i was contacted by um one of the dads who was actually an older brother um he's now in teaching and uh, his younger brother is now volunteering for us here who was four when he did the course 
And I think, you know, to have those sort of threads running through everything, I just think is, is fantastic. Mm. And it just shows you I've been here far too long. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Now, unfortunately, during the pandemic, there were limited opportunities to provide the help and the work that you do here at PITC. How difficult was it to try and get out there in the community and do your thing whilst also, of course, staying safe and giving regard to, to the rules that were in place at the time? Um, in some ways, it enabled us to do a lot more. In some ways, you know, it was challenging because we still had all of our projects and outcomes um, to deliver on. So most of our projects went online. Mm-hmm. That's when sort of Blue Kitchen was born and we were Zoom cooking and delivering ingredients out to young people and then teaching them how to cook online. You know, we had celebrities in when we were able to with restrictions. I mean, during that first lockdown, for me, it was phenomenal because Christian Burgess at the time was a trustee of the charity. And on a Sunday, I'd coordinate our staff volunteer team and he would coordinate the player volunteer team. And so, you know, we'd be totally working together because at that point, you know, they had no restrictions because they were furloughed, so they weren't working at all. Um, And that was really quite something that everybody was just equals. Everybody would turn up and everybody would just get on with it. Um, We ran a loneliness project as well. So at that point, we were going out and visiting, you know, people who were isolated on top of just just the food and the basics so we might um decide what we could do each week and it was either a you know a bunch of flowers or some flowering bulbs or something to sort of start a conversation for those people who were who were really struggling um most of the other projects were interactive we managed to do some form of project online um so although there were some big changes most of what we did carried on it was more the sort of football coaching and the general schools work that sort of went by the by at that point blues legend alan knight and and former pompey defender christian burgess were just two of many names to come out and give up their time volunteering for you during the lockdown periods to provide that help to the local community what kind of message would you send out to those who came out in support during those tough times because there were plenty more than just knightsey and christian burgess to offer their services well, it is just a just a massive thank you because, you know, during that time people were, you know, actually losing loved ones and there were some really difficult times and those players stepped up and said, yeah, I know, you know, we knew it would make more, more of an impact if Sean Ragger or Christian went and delivered their food parcel or their care package than if one of us did it. And there was never a time when they said no. You know, it was always, yeah, I'll do that. And then added value to it, you know, found a shirt or found a pair of boots. And yeah, it was it was difficult times, but they still managed in some form to put a little smile on people's faces. So I don't think we can ever underestimate, underestimate the difference that made. Kev the kit man, you know, he'd turn up every day helping to deliver. And at one point we were going, you know, we were almost at capacity with volunteers, which yeah. was which quite incredible. All the staff at the club were volunteering. Tanya from finance used to turn up and do the last few deliveries on the day. So there were so many people that just quietly got on with it behind the scenes. And I think that's what was so special. You know, it wasn't people all staying there, you know, look at me and look what I'm doing. It was more the everybody just mucking in and getting on with it. I actually bumped into the Pompey Community Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Duke Harrison Hunter, earlier in the week. And we had a great chat about the important work that he does here. To those tuning in who, who may not know of Duke or perhaps of the significance of his role, could you just explain what it is that he does and why someone of his knowledge and expertise is so needed within the community? So Duke is our EDI coordinator, which is Equality, Diversity and Inclusion, which means basically 
his role is to get out there and make everybody feel that there's a place for him for them either within the charities activities or within the club itself or on a match day so duke is sort of out working with the more diverse groups in the community getting them all involved making sure that there's a face that they recognize when they get here he also does a lot of work with sam and our primary stars so they go in and deliver you know um, the equality workshops in primary schools um you know duke's from london he was part of the sort of gang culture back in the day and he delivers an absolutely powerful workshop on you know rights and wrongs and choices Mm. and you know where life can lead you if you do make the wrong choices so yeah i think what he is achieving along with the other staff is is quite phenomenal at the moment and it and it is needed because there are still people who feel you know frat park isn't perhaps for them um and duke being there welcoming bringing them along um really helps the first bricks were laid at the john jenkins stadium this week how have preparations been to ensure the development of this stadium reaches the deadline set out it's been challenging <laughs> um you know when we look back at, at when we started it was all pre-COVID and we had our list of funders that were going to help and we had everything sort of mapped out on timescales. And then COVID hit and a lot of the funding opportunities just became COVID response. Obviously, almost everything stopped and everything was delayed. So to be at the point now where we're looking that everything will be complete in October and we'll be moving in and ready for matches shortly afterwards is, well, exciting is one word, terrifying is another because you know everybody knows what the world is like at the moment it's a challenge and you know laying the first brick was the end of a massive challenge of even finding bricks that are available at the moment lead times on goods price of goods um you know we're working with a great team riversdale uh who are the developers who who gifted us the six acres and they're building houses on the other acre have just been phenomenal um you know we've got such support from so many people um, we'll do it because we have to do it now. But yeah, it's it's not been an easy journey at all. Um, but it will be so worth it because the facility will end up with and and it's just needed yeah. by Portsmouth. You know, there's there's such a lack of decent football facilities in the city that uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be full before we even start. It's set to be a top facility named after a top top man, John Jenkins. A real great honour to have a stadium named after him. Oh, it is. I mean, John was such a part of not only the club, but Pompey and the community. You know, right up until he was sort of 98, 99, he used to bake a dozen cupcakes and bring us in a few and have a cup of tea. I've still got my mug here that he gave me in the cupboard, bone china mug that I have my coffee in every morning. Um, So, you know, for us, it's really special on a personal level. But also, you know, on a citywide level, there aren't many people like John in this world. And, you know, his journey with both the football club, the city you know, through the war um, and just the way he just carried himself. I just think he's such an he's such an inspiration. I loved him to bits because, you know, I've said this a few times, my, my other half doesn't like coming to Pompey Do's with me because I just talk to everybody except him. <laughs> so John was always my date and we've been to all sorts of end of season dinners and, you know, promotion this and all sorts with John. So, yeah, it's fabulous. And also in the situation, you know, Moneyfields are going to continue playing um, obviously Pompey women are there and so John Jenkins Stadium is now a destination I think it would have been very difficult for Pompey and the community to play at Moneyfields or Moneyfields to play at Pompey so this way we're all playing mm. at the John Jenkins Stadium and it's a proper destination yeah. so from that point of view that's not really where it came from but it really works and you know it would just be great and it's great for his family that John will just stay as such a big part of the city yeah.
There are plenty of exciting courses coming up, including the 12-week Blue Kitchen cooking course, which begins on April the 4th. Could you tell us a bit more about what this entails? Yeah, we're lucky here. We've got a fabulous cooking classroom. So that is um, for people who are unemployed, perhaps looking to develop their skills. So it's three days a week, uh, Monday, Thursday, Friday, 10 till 2. Participants come along, learn some new cooking skills, make their lunch each day. And on top of that, um, there's volunteering opportunities. If people need it, there's basic skills, workshops, CV, writing. Uh, It's very much geared. It's low numbers. You know, we only have sort of eight to 10 people on it each time. So it's very bespoke. Um, and a great opportunity for people to try and learn something a bit different. Um, and, you know, if you are looking for work or, or you are thinking about getting back ready for the workplace, which, you know, a lot of people have been through so much, just getting a job is probably beyond a fair few people at the moment. But getting you work ready, getting you used to being back out, and, and it's great fun. Gav, who's our community chef, is is a real character. So everybody who's taken part so far, you know, thoroughly enjoys it and becomes part of the sort of... Um, Uh, furniture here and and really belongs so yeah if anybody is out there and considering it come along meet Gav and find out if it's for you and I think it would be apt to bring an end to this chat by reading out the words written on the plaque just outside here presented following the announcement that Pompey in the community had been given the freedom of the city of Portsmouth award this week It reads, commemorating the freedom of the city bestowed by the Lord Mayor of Portsmouth and City Council to mark outstanding contributions by staff and volunteers in supporting the city's residents during the COVID pandemic 2020 to 2021. It's been a pleasure to speak to you this afternoon, Claire. Thank you so very much for finding the time in what is a very busy schedule to sit down with us. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure as always. Okay, coming up here on the third and final part of tonight's show, we'll be catching up with Pompey women's head coach Jay Sadler to preview a big week coming up for his side off the back of an upturn in form. So stay right where you are and make sure you keep it locked in here to Express FM for the conclusion of tonight's special edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back for the final time this evening to the Football Hour, which is supported by Stagecoach South. Visit their website, stagecoachbus.com, for more information on the services they can provide to your area. As promised, we've got Pompey Women's Head Coach Jay Sadler in with us now. Jay, great to speak to you today, my friend. Uh, A busy week for you guys coming up, actually, starting with a trip to Keensham Town in the league on Sunday. How have preparations for that game been going? Yeah, no, preparations have been going okay. We've had a mini breakout in COVID, um, so we've had to manage that accordingly. Call up a few of our development team players this week um, in order to get a competitive squad that we can take out to Keensham. But yeah, no, we got another session on Friday. Um, it's been a bit of a, a 10-day layout since our last game, so trying to keep momentum going, trying to keep um, the legs of the players going and, and focusing what is going to be a busy, busy few weeks, to be fair, coming up. I know most managers will say that they don't tend to look at the league tables or take too much note of form going into a game. However, you're unbeaten in four in all competitions, including most recently a 4-0 win away at London Bees on the 13th of this month. And you come up this weekend against the Keenshan side who occupy a place in the relegation zone. How much momentum and confidence will be carried over into this match with those factors taken into account? Yeah, definitely. It's something we've spoken about is we, we have highlighted the fact that we have kept four clean sheets in four games. Something that before that, um, we I think we conceded nine in three. So it was something that we needed to change. And we spoke to the players. We showed them what we needed to do, um, altered a few 
a few strategical and tactical things um, and the players have, have delivered. So we've been really impressed with that and it's kind of given us a foundation then to go and attack. Um, I think against the Gillingham game, we didn't really get going in, in our attacking ability. Um, Cardiff, we created some good opportunities, didn't take. And then against US Pompey and, and especially against the London Bees, we look really threatening um, in behind and it's something that we want to take into Keynesham. We, we know where Keynesham sit. But we also know that they're fighting for a, a place in this league. Four teams go down and in our next four league fixtures, we are playing teams that are in and around the area. So we've got to be fully focused on the task ahead. We know exactly what we need to do to nullify Keensham. They do have threats um, going forward and we need to nullify them and, and then just earn the right to, to play our football. And are there any injury concerns or suspension worries going into this one? Luckily, no suspensions. Um, Injury-wise, before this little mini-COVID outbreak, we did have fully fit 20 players to, to choose from. Um, so we're having to manage players back in from from illness, which is a shame, um, especially considering the momentum that we've we've built as a, as a group. But unfortunately, that's the climate we're in at the minute, so we've got to manage that accordingly. But no, we, we feel like come Sunday, we'll have a, a strong enough group of players ready to go and, and, and face Keensham. And then from that, I think the run of fixtures then is eight games in four weeks. So we've, we've got to manage that accordingly. I know all our focus is on the next game and it is the old cliche of uh, it is the next game. But we have got to take into consideration that it is a bit of an unprecedented run, not something that we've been accustomed to, um, but something that we're, we're looking forward and, and excited for the challenges ahead. Looking at the table and results this season, it's probably fair to say it's been an up and down campaign. Eight from the league out of 14 teams, 23 points off leaders Ipswich with only seven games remaining. So promotion out of the equation now. How do you manage these final few games to ensure complacency and importantly prevent the teams in danger of going down below you from closing the gap and setting up a nervy end to the season? Yeah, and it, it hasn't been the season that we, we wanted, in all honesty. It has been a very inconsistent season, inconsistent performances, um, inconsistent results. Um, and yeah, we've been disappointed by it. Um, I think the, the change over the last, kind of a cultural change as well. It's taken a while for, for the new players to embed. It takes a while for human connections. Eight new players, players that are coming down to the level from, from the championship um, that are... Now having to be accustomed to the league, how the league works, the teams in our league, it is a very competitive league. Um, some Everyone taking points off each other and you need consistency to go on a run. And unfortunately, only in recent weeks we've been able to do that. Um, we have highlighted the fact that we are playing teams in and around the bottom area that are going to be fighting for every point. So we've got to go there and we're trying to build a kind of build a platform for next season, not looking too far ahead to next season, but it's still so much to play for. Um, if we win all our league games, we can end on 49 points, which will be the highest points total since winning the league under, under Perry. Um, and we've also got two cup finals that we want to win uh, against Bournemouth and Moneyfield. So there's still a lot to play for. Still trying to embed players into the team, looking to build ahead because next year is going to be another competitive year and, and one we want to compete with. But maybe this year we set our bar quite high. We haven't reached that. We're disappointed. I'll take accountability for that. Um, but yeah, there's still so much to play for. You've been playing your games at Haven to Waterlooville's Wesley Park over the last few seasons, now with an artificial playing surface. We've spoken before on the show about the significance of having the women's team play on this 3G pitch after the problems with the surface at the PMC Stadium beforehand. COVID came about and pretty much ruined any sort of rhythm and confidence of finally being able to complete a full season. How pleased are you now to be approaching the end of this season, knowing that you'll, well, hopefully haven't jinxed it now, but hopefully be able to see it out and, and really end a season properly? Yeah, definitely. It's been a, a long time coming. 
every time we seem to get a bit of rhythm, it's my be my sixth season. It just doesn't feel like we've gained much rhythm, much momentum, even over them times. Um, first year, it was just a, a case of coming in midway through the season and, and figuring out what we're doing. Second year, there was the application process where teams were able to move up two or three leagues and then four or five of our players moved on. And then, again, you got COVID hit a couple of years and null and void and not being able to finish the season when we were doing so well. And then this year, it's just been all over the place, but haven't have been fantastic. Um, Gary Pratt, Paula, um, Paul Doswell, all of them been so welcoming to us down there. It's a fantastic facility. It's one of the best facilities in women's football. Um, and it's been brilliant to, to be able to train there and play there and get accustomed to a, a venue, um, get make it our home, which I think this is about the 16th or 17th home venue that, that I've managed at. Um, but since coming under the umbrella of the football club, they've done so much to support us in moving in. And then, yeah, we, we've been fantastic. It's been fantastic for us, but hopefully the aim of going back on the island, as, as I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about, going back on the island will, will be something that we're really excited for and hopefully we'll be able to, to expose the women's team more and get more fans through the turnstiles. And you mentioned there the move back to the island and into the John Jenkins Stadium. I spoke to Claire Martin from PITC earlier in the show. She mentioned the development of the facility and how it's coming about. October seems to remain the deadline in place to have all of the works completed and ready to move everyone in. A great partnership that between Pompey and the community, the Pompey women uh, and Moneyfield as well, with two artificial 11-a-side pitches, a 3G 5-a-side turf, a brand new gym, a number of classrooms too uh, set to put in are you looking forward to moving in and like you say bringing Pompey women back home and onto the island yeah definitely and again I've got to give my massive thanks out to having a Waterlooville they're hosting us up until the end of September so they've been brilliant with us and they continue to be brilliant with us but obviously this opportunity to move back on the island is, is something that the football club can't turn away um, we were really grateful with Steve Cripps and Baffins to have that opportunity there unfortunately um, with the issues they have, the drainage in the pitch, which wasn't down to them in the end. Um, that was a shame that that didn't work out. But we again, we were massive, massive appreciation to them. And, and then, like you said, the John Jenkins Stadium is going to bring, it brings this sense of home. It's, 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 it's back on the island. Um, people from Portsmouth can come and watch us. We're linking up with Pompey in the community, one of our, our main stakeholders who... Have, they house our girls' teams, so all of the the academy teams out there, um, the the education programs where players can can get their education and and, and play full time, and then hopefully link into our development team or our first team. There's going to be a clear pathway um, for for young girls in and around Portsmouth that want to to aspire to play for the football team. And the fact we're going to be there is fantastic. Obviously, sharing the facilities with with Moneyfields as well. Um, and a massive congratulations to them on winning their, their league. So they're going to be in Tier 4 next year. So that's going to be exciting. And it's exciting for the whole of Portsmouth. Um, for us, the facilities are what they've got to offer. We can now increase our training hours. We can increase what we can offer to players. So their holistic development's going to increase with gym programmes, with analysis. So it's going to become more professional um, for our players because that's ultimately every year we want to take forward steps in order to be able to offer the most to these players in order to aspire to get to the championship and compete with the top teams in our league. Let's move on now to next Wednesday, the Hampshire Cup final at the Silver Lake Stadium in Eastleigh. We now know the opponents for that tie confirmed as Bournemouth following the withdrawal of Southampton. A shame to see the deserving finalists and bitter rivals drop out of the competition due to alleged fears of fixture congestion. 
But at least there is a game going ahead against someone. Because I know that neither yourself or Eric Colborn would want to win the cup by default of the opponent's forfeiting. You want to do it in the proper manner. Yeah, and it was a difficult situation. Um, it was a hard one. We were kind of left in the dark with everything that was gone on. Um, kudos to, uh, kudos to, to Hampshire FA sorry, um, for dealing with it. And, and we are grateful that we have got a game. Um, it does state in the rulings that, that if a team was to withdraw, which it is a shame that Southampton have had to withdraw. We understand the reasons why. Obviously, there's a lot of noise and speculation on whether or not the league have, uh, have, have spoken with them and allowed them to play it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that, that's that's what it is. We, we've just got to focus on, on the game in hand and the game is that we're playing an AFC Bournemouth team that are doing well in their league. We played them early on in the FA Cup. It was a tight game and... One that we, we were able to get over the line and, and win. It was a hard-fought game and we expect no different next Wednesday. But it's a cup competition that, that we've done so well in. It's a cup competition that the football club want to win every single year. Um, it's a shame that we can't face Southampton again in, in what will be another South Coast derby. The two previous ones this year have been very tight, fortly tight four games, um, competitive games that unfortunately we've come out on the, on the wrong end of and we wanted to kind of rewrite that and, and right the wrongs um, but instead we face Bournemouth and, and when that when the time comes we'll, we'll fully focus on that but it's the old cliche of the, the next game for us Keenshams a potential banana skin we don't want to lose that game and all our focus has got to be on that first and very soon on Sunday the 3rd of April the Pompey women will once again be taken to the turf at Fratton Park hosting the league fixture against the MK Dons Jay how great is it to be playing back at Fratton Park so soon? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's a it's a brilliant occasion. Um, and as I said before, I've got to give huge kudos as well to, to Anna Mitchell, um, to Andy Cullen, um, to the ground staff at, at Portsmouth Football Club. They've been fantastic with us um, ever since ever since the, the partnership w- was strengthened, um, hosting a game before Christmas and then after Christmas. These two showcase events are, are brilliant, hopefully, to, to kind of expose the women's team to the local community and, and show them what we're all about. We're playing at such a historic venue in Fratton Park. It's fantastic when you walk there and, and, and the players being able to play their football there is, is phenomenal. It's going to be a great event. It's an event that we're hoping to get as many people down to as possible. I've been on the school runs, getting all the, the flyers out um, to all the local schools, trying to get them down, going to be a fan zone. Um, so we're going to try and cater for everyone, going to try and hopefully put on a good performance. And again, it's something we're looking forward to. That game takes place, as we mentioned, at Fratton Park on Sunday, the 3rd of April. And you can take the kids along for just a quid, ensuring they are, of course, accompanied by an adult. Head to portsmouthfc.co.uk for more ticket information for that one. You recently turned full-time at Pompey after five and a half years uh, as a volunteer. But first of all, congratulations. Yeah, cheers. What kind of differences are there now to your role making that jump up? Yeah, it's massive. It's massive. Um, obviously, I've enjoyed I, I enjoyed every minute I worked for the football club, whether it was voluntary or getting paid. Nothing's changed. The only thing that has changed is I've got more time. I've got more time to do things. So it enables me to support each and every player and staff member and their holistic development, trying to support them from individual analysis clips, the gym programmes, the, the human welfare, but also the exposure to the football club, trying to bring in sponsorships to the football club and support um, also our attendances, um, gaining our exposure out there. Not everyone has social media, so those that don't have social media, we need to try and get to them. And, and, and we just need people to realise what the women's team's about, what we're about, um, and being able to go around and, and try and champion us and what we're trying to do is fantastic. 
Um, we've had so much buy-in from the local community, from Pompey and the community, also from Danny and Nicky Cowley, the football club. It's given me more time to go down and, and try and pick their brains and anything we can do to en enhance our football club and continue to grow. Um, we don't have the masses of budgets that, that Southampton do down the, down the road. We don't have that. Um, but what we do have is a, a sustainable business model, um, something that we're very proud of, something that we're going to continue to work and grow organically. And with time, we, we can then invest that time into the right facets to improve our football club. And it's taken time, but it's that old saying, I know it's cliche brick by brick, but, but that is simply the women's team as well. It is an organic growth. Yes, everyone wants fast growth. I'm very impatient. I want to win the league straight away, just like Danny Cowley and all the Pompey fans and for the men's team, they want to win their league straight away. But but there's building processes to get there and the processes at the minute for the women's team were on the right track um, and hopefully long may that continue. I spoke to Peaches earlier in tonight's show about her recent success with the England Talent Pathway. I'm sure you're very aware of Peaches, Jay. I made her aware that I'd be chatting to you as well. She seemed very excited by that prospect alone. But I didn't mention the fact that I'd probably ask you about her. Uh, how great is it to see young local girls be inspired by your team? But not only that, be the ones themselves, like Peaches, inspiring others to achieve greatness as well. Yeah, and when you say that, you kind of get goosebumps on the back of your neck because for me, I'm just a football coach. I, I just I love football. I have a passion for football. And since my seven years down on the, on the South Coast, I've now got a passion for Portsmouth. And representing this football club, whether it was voluntary or, or now full-time, I'm proud to do that. And I think our players are slowly realising with the growth of the women's game that they are role models and they're inspiring the next generation, whether it be boys or girls. I've got a six-year-old boy and he went into school on, on World Book. They dressed as Hannah Horton. Not as a female, but he went in Hannah Horton, full kit, and he's spreading the word and, and he's got a female role model. And I think that's fantastic. Why, why can't you? And all these girls, they, they now have role models that look like them. And for Peaches, she's one that was young, Abby Chiverton, another one. There's, the, the, there's more and more coming to our games. And the fact that our football club and our players and staff are inspiring them is, is phenomenal. Um, and they're inspiring us. Their story's inspiring us. I, I spoke to Peaches when she told me she got the England Pathway talent and we had a little bit of a chat. I've been doing some one-to-one -one sessions with her over the summer. Um, and she's a, a talented young player that just loves the game. And when you see people that love the game and they invest their time and energy into the game, it's fantastic. And I really hope and, and wish her all the best of the luck. And again, we'll see you around. It's, it's, it's one of them. It's the beauty of women's football, the interactions with just normal working people. We've got our, our players are out working now, whether it's in, in the hospitals, police officers, you name it. They're just normal human beings that love the sport and play the sport. And we just keep breaking down barriers um, year on year and for these young girls now aspiring they can be professional football players and and that's exciting and uh, peaches is predicting back-to-back -back wins for your side this sunday and wednesday jay so no pressure whatsoever there no pressure whatsoever we will do everything we can <laughs> to get them predictions correct jay sadler head coach of the pompey women it has been a pleasure as always to catch up with you today thank you so much for coming in to speak to us have a fantastic weekend and the best of luck for the games coming up yeah no cheers jake that's it for tonight then. What an hour we've had here on the Football Hour. A big thanks to Peaches, her parents, Emily Drakeley from Her Game 2, Pompey in the community CEO Claire Martin and Pompey women's boss Jay Sadler for being a part of this evening's show. I'll be back at the same time on Monday night for another special edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM. Thank you for listening and good night.